You're listening to The Gap Podcast with your host, me, Morgan McGill. As we talk God and politics, my prayer is that you're inspired and encouraged to be a part of filling the God-sized gap in the political sphere. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to The Gap Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan McGill, and I'm very excited about today's guest, Pastor Samuel Duth. Come on. He is a campus pastor at Awakened Church, and he is the executive director of the political action arm of the church. So I'm very excited to have you to talk about what's going on at Awakened, how how you ended up in that position, how you ended up in politics as a pastor, because you've been politically active, from my understanding, for a very long time. Yes. Yep. vocally at yep. least yep. so uh how did that how did that start yeah great question thanks morgan for having me on i'm pumped i'm uh, super excited we've been planning and plotting this for a while and i so know it's, uh, it's it's good to be on and uh you you know honestly for me it's been a very natural part of my life mm-hmm. because i grew up uh, homeschooled in the midwest of the u.s of a in minnesota and my my parents always integrated their faith with every part of our life. You know, we didn't so grow good. up with a mindset of, you know, church on Sunday and then the rest of my life, the rest of the week. It was very much our faith influences every part of our life. I right? love that. So that ideal then makes being a pastor and, a, and engaged in politics very easy to do, mm-hmm. right? Most people see it as like, how is that possible? It doesn't make sense. It's very easy when you see your faith as impacting, influencing, mm-hmm. and informing every part of your life, whether it's marriage, family, parenting, your recreation, your fun, your habits, mm-hmm. as well as you know your, your politics. So um, being homeschooled as well growing up, um, during the day, we'd be listening to a lot of Talk radio, same specifically conservative talk radio, Rush Limbaugh. So I always say I grew up on Jesus and Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> you know, in the home. And so it would be a lot of that commentary mm-hmm. and learning how to think, right? Because it's one thing to to spout off, you know, uh, kind of repeat or regurgitate maybe a parent's political ideology. Yeah. Just the same way you can maybe just repeat uh a parent's religious ideology, right? Mm-hmm. You you hear a couple phrases, you know when to say yes, when to say no, when mm-hmm. to amen, when to not, mm-hmm. when to get mad about a political thing you don't like, yeah. when to raise your voice versus those environments with my mom. She was much more about teaching us how to think. And I that was like every that. area of our education as well as in the political sphere. So you're hearing more conversations, mm-hmm. dialogue. You learn to see what's true, what's not learn how to see through the narratives, yeah. right? And the smoke and mirrors of culture. So that's where it all, all began. That's <laughs> amazing. What are some of the tips, I mean, that, that your mom did that is fantastic. And I'm sure that you're passing that same yeah. thing onto your kids. What are some tips that you would give to parents listening who are like, oh, I want to help encourage my kids to think that way as yeah. well? Yeah, so good. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is, is the more, like in anything, the more we personally know the truth, the more we're able to see the lie, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the iconic, like, money, um, you know, metaphor of, okay, if I if I want to know what a, a fake dollar bill is, I need to know what the real thing is, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So I don't need to focus as much on being fully educated in all the fake things, all the wrong things, all the lies. I just need to be really versed, 
well versed. I see the book there. Yeah. I need to be really versed in what is true, mm-hmm. what is right, what is the authentic, what is that deal. And so then I can better compare and contrast when messages come at me in culture. So one of the things that uh, my parents would do, and especially my mom in that homeschool environment, would be to go, hey, uh, what do you think about this thing that was just said? Hey, mm-hmm. what do you think of that on that show we watched? Uh, the news update mm-hmm. that we saw, the, the movie, whatever the deal was, they would take time to help us identify the lie, identify mm-hmm. what was true wow. and what was, the, what was the lie. And so we do that now. My wife Katie and I do that now with our girls is, um, you know, there, there'd be probably some shows or, or songs, you know, on, you know, that I'd be like, I, I know this is probably not going to be good. We should just not watch it. But my kids maybe really want to. Mm-hmm. They've heard their friends talk about it, whatever. And so I go, okay, we'll watch it together and let's talk about it. Right. Okay. So there'll be times where maybe we'll watch something and then I'll go, did you see what just happened? Did you hear what they said? Did you notice the messaging? And most of the time, a child goes, no, I didn't. It just was funny, Mm -hmm. right? So that's how messages get into the next generation. It's funny. Mm -hmm. It's unique. It's interesting. They're laughing their way into ideologies that are destructive to them. Wow. They don't notice it, Yeah. right? So that's where parenting, and that's, of course, why much of... A, a secular or liberal godless culture yeah. especially tries to disconnect parent from child That's so because good. without the parent helping to say hey did you notice that lie hey don't believe what you just heard hey that isn't true if we, if they don't have a parent teaching their child that at a young age then that's where all the messaging of culture right now all the gender confusion um, all the just even confusion on how to actually bring solutions to issues in culture, um, all of the hyper acceptance culture mm-hmm. that we have, uh, anything goes, everything goes, can't judge anything, yeah. receive everything, accept everything, all those messages, all that it takes to combat that insanity is just a parent who is, goes, hey, that's not true. Yeah, I feel like a lot of parents... They shy away from the hard issues because yeah. they don't know how to, yeah, how to tackle it. It's like the uncomfortable things, the uncomfortable conversations yep. to have with your it's kids. True. And I know, I know, I love my parents. I honor my parents. They're amazing. But there were a lot of hard conversations even growing sure. up that we didn't have because yeah. it because they're uncomfortable. Yeah, and um, finding ways for to just realize like you are the parent and right, right. they look to you the most i mean you see you, yeah. kid, kids need their parents they really do and and w- one of the things i think was was apparent as well in even in the pandemic seasons pandemic however this podcast articulates it uh, <laughs> in, uh, in in some of those seasons we saw actually really um you know we saw a lot of parents really you know, just going along with narratives mm-hmm. and putting their kids through a lot of pain because they just enforced whatever the government was saying onto their child without any filters, without any reservation whatsoever. Yeah. Um, then you saw some parents who were, you know, kind of created a very um, 
strong bubble, if you will, like like I would say we did. Like for the most part, my kids didn't even hardly feel the effects of that season because mm-hmm. our we we weren't afraid. We didn't live in fear. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it. We weren't masking up. You know, we were doing none of that. So my kids lived, and our friend group at, at Awaken as well was kind of like, life yeah. is continuing on. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and but then you also had some who would be maybe politically conservative and typically like take responsibility, you know, don't be a victim like in in other settings. But somehow in this setting took on a real victim mentality. And I would hear parents being like, you know, my daughter or my son, you know, has, you know, learning, you know, disabilities or, or, um, you know, gone backward. And they're learning because of the government, because mm-hmm. of uh, what was done. And I'm, my thought is like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You're the parent. You are the firewall of protection yeah. for your kid. If your child is all jacked up because of the season, it's because you as the parent didn't step in. Yeah. And as parents, we all have to take a much greater responsibility for our kids and stop blaming and pretending like it's the school's fault, it's the government's fault, it's whatever's fault, it's the music's fault, it's the industry, it's the games. It's like, yeah, but we are the primary caregivers. We are supposed to be the wall of protection between our child and anything that that the world may try to harm them with. Yeah. And and so I think there's been actually a lot of even in even in Christians, even in conservatives this idea of well, um, the government's job yeah. is to educate my kids, to do all that stuff, train them, raise them, and and now I'm mad when the government mishandles that when yeah. it's never been designed by God for the government to be a primary educator of children yeah. that should always have been the family. The family and, and there could be other there can be forms of that. I'm not saying everyone on the planet has to homeschool. Of course the public school system in America yeah. was quite a bit different when it began. Yeah. Being the Bible as the primary textbook yes. of of the of the American uh, public school system. So we've came such a long way. But at the end of the day it's still been a slow disconnection intentionally mm-hmm. or unintentionally by many of parents kind of going it's like wait i have to educate my own kids like mm-hmm. like what's wrong it's no actually that is our primary job yeah with our children and we've really pushed it off to other people uh disqualifying of disqualifying ourselves as being good enough to teach mm-hmm. our kids so we've pushed it off on other people and we're seeing the effects of that in yeah. American culture. Discipleship starts with your children. Yeah. Uh, but we're also supposed to go out into the world yeah. and make disciples, which yeah. have, we've seen a lot of Christians abdicate the responsibility at home. But we've also seen a lot of Christians abdicate their responsibility in their communities. Yeah, totally. And to go out into the world to make disciples, to really influence culture instead of let culture influence the church. And... We also saw a lot of Christians, especially during COVID times, uh, going to Romans 13 and saying, mm-hmm. you know, well, all authority comes from God. We got to honor it. Just got to. Yeah. So how would you what would you say to Christians listening who maybe fall in that category? Yeah. Well, I do think, like you said, discipleship or this idea of engaging and being present and being the solution and doing what you're supposed to do. 
does begin in the home. And like I said earlier, for me, um, as a Christian and even as a pastor, engaging the political scene is is so natural to me because of what my parents did. Mm-hmm. That my faith informs every part of my life. Mm-hmm. It drives it. It leads it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a little it box on Sunday that you keep in your church bubble, yeah. and then I live however I have to live in the real world, quote unquote. No, no. It is the real world, and my faith drives that. The spiritual actually informs the natural, mm-hmm. not the other way around, right? Friends, in over 15 years in the political sphere, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen amazing men and women forego running for office because they have no idea where to start. And on the other side of that, I can't tell you how many times I have seen amazing candidates fumble the ball so hard because they have no idea what they're doing when they decide to run for office. That is why I founded Revival Consulting. The heart of this company is to help God-fearing men and women get elected to local, state, and federal office because we see a country where the men and women in positions of political power and influence know and love God. If that's you, if you're considering running for office but you have no idea where to start or you need help, go to itsrevival.com and fill out our consultation form because we want to help you. We need your voice now more than ever. If you have seen anything that's going on in the world today, you know that you were put on this planet for such a time as this, and we need you. So please don't hesitate. Go to itsrevival.com and fill out our consultation form today. So I think it begins first by getting that mindset, getting that true thing to go. If I really believe the Bible, if I really believe what Jesus is saying, then I should live that way and it should inform every part of my life. So I think if you can get a real revelation around that first, then it allows you to more naturally begin to engage the world in different in different spheres. But I think one of the things um, that really, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think one of the things that really caused in American culture decades ago, and I know you had Pastor Ryan on the podcast, so he may have talked about um, some of this, but there's been a lot of really bad end time theology preaching mm. um, around this conversation and it has caused christians to pull away because it's like well the end's coming jesus is coming back who cares about politics and you know education and sports and you know the arts and Mm -hmm. let's just kind of hunker down in church and wait for jesus to rapture us all away so this isn't a conversation or a podcast about whether or not the rapture is real. I have a different approach on, <laughs> on that that I think is more biblical. But the bigger issue is just that it's caused Christians to pull away. Yeah. And in the last 50 plus years, 50 to 70 years, we've seen a real abdication of the church being involved in the key spheres of influence in our culture. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see a resurgence of that. People yeah. waking up to that, people coming back and engaging in that. But, you know, I, I think now is such a such a, a timely season to think about what happened in Germany. Yeah. To think about the insanity of the Holocaust, you know, that went down and ultimately the silence of of much of the church in the the nation of Germany at the time. 
And I think we like to think of, well, it was such a horrible thing. The whole nation must have just been horrible, evil people. And sadly, that's not the truth. There was many good people. There was many churches. There was many uh, genuine believers but who got duped into, got lied, got the wool pulled over mm-hmm. their eyes, uh, got in fear and silence because of you know the pressure of of the media, the narrative, mm-hmm. uh, the the oppressive leadership, and mm-hmm. really step back. So I think right now courage is required. Courage is necessary. Yeah. It's essential. Um, I think a lot of times Christians, if we're honest, we know what's right. We know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. It's just the courage to do it, knowing that maybe we're going to get um, persecuted for yeah. it. Maybe we're going to get silenced for it. Maybe we're going to get censored for it. Yeah. Maybe we're going to get, you know, you know kind of ridiculed for it. You know, I think sometimes we don't like to admit it, but one of the things we hate the most is being made fun of mm. or being thought of, uh, you know, like mockery coming our way. Yeah. It's almost like we can take a physical beating more than we can take somebody laughing at us. Yeah. Right. And so we actually have to just get a better resolve in that and just yeah. go, you know what, we're going to do what's right. We're going to say what needs to be said. We're going to get involved. We're going to get involved. And we're going to help bring kingdom culture to earth because that's really our job. Yeah. Jesus teaches us to pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anywhere where we see the kingdom of God not being done, God's will not being done, our role as believers is to engage the world and to establish the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and to extend that. Now, when you start talking like that, people start talking Christian nationalism. People start talking about theocracy. People get all crazy uh, thinking that we were going to have some sort of, um, um, you know, like a, a dictator style, but just like with a Christian in charge. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God being in charge of the planet, which he is. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about kingdoms and governments uh, surrendering to that. We don't need a one world government. We don't need a one world, even Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's one kind of Christian pope, if you will, mm-hmm. telling the whole world how to live. That's not how mm-hmm. the, the church works. That's not how kingdom works. We have the Holy Spirit. He's guiding his church. He's guiding believers. Each nation, though. Um, some people go, man, you, you know, you trying to make other nations like America. Well, I, you could maybe say it like that, but really, I just want to make every nation a Christian nation. Yeah. But you know, the nation of China should be a Christian nation, right? The nation of Russia should be a Christian nation. What does that mean? It means that the governmental leaders are ultimately submitted to God yeah. over special interests, over lobbyists over a satanic influence and culture. And so that is and should be the goal. If we're actually fulfilling the Matthew 28 mandate to mm-hmm. go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, that means the goal is that every nation is a Christian nation, not because it's militarily enforcing Christianity, but because the gospel is spread throughout the whole earth. Mm-hmm. So therefore, every believer is now influencing every sphere of culture. So therefore, why would that nation not be governed by biblical principles, which is what America started as, founded on, built on, established on biblical values. We have run quite aggressively away from that. Mm -hmm. But that's actually why I kind of put this like 
coffee table quilt book together because which is going to be added to this (laughs) there we go (laughs) it is is because um, i wanted to remind people of the faith of our founding fathers right and and i have some of my thoughts in there but i i curated a lot of our some of the iconic quotes from some of the founding fathers of of the nation Uh, because if we don't return to those principles then uh, I'm not a I'm not a doom and gloom guy because I have faith and I know that the gospel works yeah. and I have great hope in the Church of America to restore America to its foundations. But if if it doesn't, America mm-hmm. will become another, you know, kind of rubble on the history the historical timeline of nations yeah. that rose, mm-hmm. dominated, had had influence, had wealth, had prosperity, and then imploded because. We've rejected our foundations. Mm-hmm. I, I I still believe we're not past that point of no return. I, I still believe America can be restored. I still believe the church can rise up, do its job as the conscience of a nation, and return America back to those foundations. It's like it's like you know what the theme of this podcast is. <laughs> it's almost like you know. Um, but I agree with you. And I, I want to go back to one thing that you were talking about, which was courage. Because a lot of people, like you mentioned, they fear being ridiculed and fear people telling that or, you know, yeah, being ridiculed. Yeah. And what I want people to understand is when you speak out, and when you stand up for your values, your friendships and your community grow so much stronger yep. that you, I mean, you think you have friends now, but when you get brave <laughs> and you get courageous and you start stepping out and standing up for what you yep. believe in, your core group of people become so much, like it, yeah. those relationships grow so much stronger. And I want people to understand that that that's what's going to help get you through. Yep. Community is yep. what's going to help get you through. and authentic community is what's going to help get you through. And I want Christians especially to know that you're not alone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're not alone. And you know, you're always going to lose some people. Yeah. Uh, Friendships, connections, networks, business, whatever. You're always going to have an element of, of people not liking it, Mm -hmm. but the right people get attracted to to courage, to conviction, Mm -hmm. To people who know who they are, know what's right, mm-hmm. know what they want, we saw that massively at Awaken, where um, all of a sudden people from all over the city began to flock to our campuses mm-hmm. across San Diego. Be- it wasn't like we had changed any messaging. We actually just had were courageous, and one of the few. There were several other great churches, but one of the the few in our city who were actually standing up, speaking out, you know, stepping into spheres of culture that were necessary, mm-hmm. not being afraid to back down, taking the courage of not only our founding fathers, but the courage of the biblical authors. I was just literally reading my devotions this morning about John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. He was an outspoken uh, believer obviously he made he paved the way for Christ right he was the voice crying mm-hmm. in the wilderness but he also was a loud mouth against the political leaders of the day mm. so much so it got him put in prison he was silenced he was censored and, beheaded. and ultimately literally beheaded for that those stances 
that he took because he resisted the political world. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we have to, as believers, stop getting ourselves in some sort of weird idea that Christianity uh, should be quiet, that Christianity should just back down, never speak out, be never comfortable. just yeah, be comfortable, never get out there. And and I did have some people that distanced themselves from me, but I had way more uh, people that responded, that flocked, that surrounded, right, as mm-hmm. you step out in courage. And, and ultimately, um, you will see things actually increase when you operate in courage. But I don't, I wouldn't want any believer to purely um, only make the decision to be bold or only make the decision to stand up because they think it's going to be a benefit. The truth is, I want to speak the truth and do what's right regardless, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to have that core conviction in me that knows that, you know, it's like the old song, though none go with me, still I will follow, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like this, this, uh, this part of us that draws on the strength of God, that that looks to please God above man, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? All of those types of things that wants to do what's right no matter what. Mm-hmm. The world, uh, the history books of, of the world are filled with people who did what was right no matter what. Mm-hmm. Not when it was convenient. Mm-hmm. Not when they felt like it. But when it was needed, when it was necessary, who stirred up courage in the face of fear Mm -hmm. and did the right things. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to do. And, um, you know, it's nice when you can live just through peace times. But the reality is we are in a wartime in our culture. Um, I mean, you know, Biden's currently attempting to create actual war by his passivity and weakness. Mm -hmm. He's allowing for actual war type things. I I don't know what will or won't escalate. But um, I'm less talking about that physical war. But we are in a a massive spiritual war for America, for um, for many nations around the world, where there's this tension of going, okay, are Christians going to just allow the culture to slide off into oblivion for the fear of not being liked, not being loved, and not being accepted? Or are we going to stand up mm-hmm. and say what needs to be say said at the fear of and with the cost of all those yeah. potential things? And and I hope we do. I hope we do. It, it's worth it's worth it. It's worth the risk of loss Mm -hmm. for the sake of of, of what's right. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to share it and make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode. Now go out in the world and make disciples. We'll catch you in the next one.